What will you do about the Duncan? What would you have me do, Lord? I told him not to podcast with Nuri to avoid her. I told him it was in order. She has on mic chemistry with him, Lord. Nothing more. Why would she have any chemistry with him? He is a Gola. He has a top-end microphone. No noise floor. He has the same microphone as me. But he does not know this, Lord. Oh my god, he just can't even tell what <laughs> microphone he has. It's the worst. Wow. I to be fair though, I would listen to a podcast with Duncan and Hui. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Are you kidding me? That would be That'd so be interesting. Although the direction all of this is going, it might just be sex sounds. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> the ASMR. podcast is only available on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Gamja Bar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name's Abu. My name is Leo. And Leo, I'm going to need you to meet me at my little podcast studio. Oh, is it like three miles tall? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you got to take the elevator. It's actually three elevators, uh-huh. right? You got to take one to floor 107, then get off, sure. transfer, yeah. and then you take another elevator. This one weirdly only goes down, so you take it down to 89, <laughs> and then you yeah. get off, go to the third elevator, takes you up to 429. That's where I'll be. Sounds like half of the hotels I've stayed in. <laughs> yeah. We are continuing our reading <laughs> of God Emperor right. Dune. The book club continues. For it those of you indeed. who are hoping we would stop where we did, no, we're not going to. We're going to keep doing it. Gonna That's keep right. Reading. We're going to do it just to spite you. We're going to get through this whole book. You think <laughs> we're going to give up? We're not. Now, as usual, today's book club episode will contain no spoilers. So as long as you have done the reading for today's episode, you should be all set. Indeed, you should. And of course, a huge, huge shout out. To our Quisats Hatterack level patron, Case Aiken. That's right. Case, thank you so much. We have a little soiree planned again, 400th floor of our recording studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to be brought in via Ornithopter. Oh. It's going to be great. It's so. going to be amazing. The view is spectacular <laughs> also. So we hope you enjoy it. Yeah. And we've got like transparent screens to protect from bugs. <laughs> no bugs. <laughs> Not a single bug. Thank you, Case, for your support. And of course, our gratitude extends to all of our patrons and all of our listeners who we couldn't do this show without. We're grateful that you're here. Indeed we are. Okay. So the plan for today's episode, we are going to do the same thing as always. (laughs) We're going to summarize the assigned reading. We have a single gargantuan takeaway today Mm -hmm, to talk about. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then... We will wrap up with some yummy, delicious, and nutritious spice morsels. Yum, 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 yum. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. So don't go anywhere. When we're back, we've got our chapter summaries ready to serve up. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, folks. Let's get into today's reading, starting with chapter 33. Our first chapter today kicks off with Leto and Moneo, as uh, Leto literally puts the fear of God into the poor major domo. This is a terrifying chapter, all <laughs> <Yeah>. things considered. <laughs> yeah, It turns out that Duncan has been podcasting and or flirting with Hui Nori <gasps> against Leto's explicit orders. Truly scandalous. Yeah. Now, Moneo, throughout this chapter, is quite actively shitting himself. Because the signs of the worm, capital W, worm, are here, folks. And it turns out this meeting is taking place in a very closed-off room at the top of a tower in the Citadel. Moneo's foolproof plan of see the worm sign, run away, isn't quite going to work here. Right. Now, Leto is really on edge, and he's very desperate he tells moneo we got to rush the wedding quickly quickly like as soon as possible (laughs) let's get this wedding done duncan is trying to get in on my girl but he does acknowledge that certain responsibilities do come first namely that siona has to be tested before the wedding ceremony so he does say asap asterisk once i test siona is the command to moneo right Now, the conversation, of course, turns toward Duncan, right? The problem child here. And Leto's very direct. Moneo, what are you going to do about this? How are you going to fix it, huh? Huh? Uh, Moneo, (laughs) come on. Answers. Answers. Come on. We got a problem. You're a solutions guy, aren't you? Why do I pay you? Moneo's like, you've never paid me once. Not once. (laughs) Every check you write bounces. I don't know why I'm still here. (laughs) And, and truthfully, Moneo is like, well, I, I, what do you, what do you want me to do, though? Yeah. And as it turns out, sure, Duncan maybe has been flirting with Hui, perhaps even courting her, but he's not necessarily crossing any lines because Hui is the one truly initiating their meetups and their spice coffee dates or whatever they're doing right now, and. Right. It's because she's Hui Nori, right? She could be nothing but sympathetic and loving and caring towards someone like Agola, someone who is so out of their place and so out of their time and so struggling. We saw in the last episode how much Duncan is struggling with his place in the universe. Right. It also certainly helps that he is a 10 out of 10 babe and actually has (laughs) genitals. Compared to Yo, true. the worm she is betrothed to. <laughs> One of the things I look for in a partner. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. We, yeah, totally. I get it. We all have a list, right? We all have a list of like non-negotiables. <laughs> That's on mine. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> there's also an element here. It does strike me, you know, I mentioned in the last book club how Leto's words about Duncan, right? The youngest and the oldest in one flesh is also true about Leto. Right. And it strikes me that they actually do have quite a bit in common. So Hui, who is designed to be irresistible and deeply, particularly sympathetic yeah. toward and for Leto, is very likely those things to Duncan as well. Absolutely. Which is just interesting. It's kind of a weird byproduct. And naturally, there's no real sense of if this was intentional, if this was like, we know it's really just a shitty situation for everyone, as as Moneo points out, Duncan's by doing this, Duncan is like endangering everything. But still, that it's not necessarily even something Duncan is choosing. This is who he is. And coincidentally, Duncan has some of those same core qualities that Leto has as well. Yep. Yep. Just as we talked about. Now, you mentioned that Duncan is endangering a lot of things by courting Hui and towing this line. Yeah. Namely, I'd argue maybe the biggest thing he's endangering is himself, because the conversation now turns toward potentially replacing this Duncan ahead of schedule. This guy's only been here a couple of months at this point on the job, and Leto is desperate enough to be like, hey, Moneo, can can we order a new one? Like, let's talk to the Tleilaxu. When can we get a new one? And as it turns out, Gola's not easy to produce. The earliest they could get another Duncan Gola would at minimum be another year out. And of course, waiting a year with the amount of Riz that Duncan Idaho has is a fool's errand. <laughs> right. Or even killing him and then being without him for a year. That's yeah. a long time. And that's it's, a long a, it's time. an amount of time that we get the sense that that's just not an option. Yes, exactly. And ultimately, that's the conclusion they kind of come to. Leto and Maneo realize they just are a little bit backed in the corner with the Duncan and Hui situation, and they just have to do their best to rush this wedding as quickly as possible and prevent these coffee dates from happening. Right. And this ultimately leads to really a heartbreaking moment from Leto that feels like an emotional outburst is the wrong word, but almost like an emotional leakage. Like it just like pours out of him where he says to Moneo, quote, Moneo help me end quote the god emperor pleading for help yeah it comes after this moment of like moneo you understand why i can't do anything and yeah. i i am in this corner and i there's nothing i can do and in this you see how much this is affecting me help me please and it's really just like yeah, it sucks. Ultimate sympathy for this guy who already is going through not a great time. <laughs> yeah, uh, as we'll talk about later in the episode as well. So, continuing with the chapter, Leto's emotions and animal side finally overwhelm him. Again, the signs have been there all throughout this conversation, and he succumbs to the worm. And Moneo pulls out his trap card he's like oh shit i gotta do something and he tries to pot of greed <laughs> pot of greed he tries to appeal to leto's human consciousness and uh hilariously it doesn't work at all yeah. he tries his best he brings up ganima his sister the thing that grounded him 
Uh, he also brings up the possibility of, hey, you know, you're the god emperor. Like, you could probably mate with Hui, right? Like, we could figure something out. You can do anything. All the possibilities in the world exist out there for the god emperor. Maybe you can undo your transformation, which is something we know Leto himself has literally thought about before and fantasized about. And Leto's response is, frankly, chilling. He says, quote, Do not question me about possibilities, Leto said, and his voice was hideously distant, gone somewhere into the layers of his past. End quote. Hideously distant. Yeah. Hideously distant is so scary. Like... Amazing word It's choice. literally this kind of multiple personality moment where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, you see the safety retreating. You see the like, I know that he will not hurt me. And he's like nine rooms away and you're next to this literally like quivering. Like he was talking about how like the hands were like almost like spastically vibrating. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking scary. Like this is legitimately terrifying to see definitely this active retreat of Leto's consciousness. And Moneo's like, and we are going to get the fuck out of here as quickly as possible. (laughs) Totally. Now, Moneo decides it's time to hightail the fuck out of here. He promises to never bring up the endless possibilities ever again in front of Leto. I'm so sorry. Bye. And then he rushes out of the room as quickly as possible. Right. And he says, hey, I'll talk to Hui. I'll talk to Duncan. Well, let's see what we can do. And shortly after he's out of the room, we hear this like thrashing and the murderous thumps of Leto raging around in the room because the worm has fully taken over. It was truly a close call. Monea was seconds away from getting crushed in the thrashing. Yeah. Now to wrap up chapter 33, we have one final interaction that's worth noting because on his way out, Moneo is questioned by the fish speaker guard at the bottom of the stairs. And the fish speaker guard is like, hey man, do you hear what's going on in the god's room? Did you say something, bro? Did you, what did you say to him? Yeah, yeah. And Moneo assures her. He's like, I, look, it wasn't me. I'm not the cause of his disturbance at the moment. And you know, I think Leto's just like really anxious about the wedding. Weddings are stressful. You know how it is. Yeah. And the fish speaker's like, yeah, man, weddings are stressful. Aren't you the planner? Start planning. <laughs> yeah. And Monet was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. That is literally what I am on my way to do right now. Got to get this wedding done. I'm on it. And he quickly rushes out of there as well. And the subtext is obviously clear here. If the fish speaker had suspected that Moneo was the one who upset the god emperor, there's no doubt that she would have killed him right away in that moment. Yeah. Which is a pretty shocking revelation because you would think if anyone is sort of in a protective pocket, it is the god emperor's right-hand person, the god emperor's major domo, right. the closest advisor. We've read most of this book assuming that Monea would never get harmed because, you know, BFFs with a god emperor, you get some perks with that. Maybe not so. Yeah, it, you know, Moneo mentions the way he answers, like the troubles of the Lord. We are mortal. He's a God. He mentions like, oh yeah, that response normally satisfies them. Like he's had years and years and years of this is 
yeah, okay, they are suspicious sometimes, they are protective, but I can just give them some like mumbo jumbo and they go, yes, good call. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a new thing. Like this is an evolution of circumstances. And this is also what spurns him to think, God damn it, Duncan Idaho is endangering everybody, myself included. You know, there's kind of two ways to read this. One, maybe we've been mistaken in how safe he was. Or two, he's been safe and now he's not. And And this is a very new thing. Um, Great point. Which seems to be more likely the thing. I think Leto mentions about Duncan that this Duncan is particularly dangerous and it's a sign of the times. It's like, yes, because of the timeline of everything happening. Yeah, this is why. That's a really great point, and I agree with you completely. There have been a couple of moments in these last few chapters where people have brought up the quote-unquote, the times they are a change in. So this, I think, <laughs> yeah. is a is a reflection of that. Yeah. Speaking of which, chapter 34. <laughs> Our second chapter today follows up with Leto sometime later in a much better mood much less murderous and thwumpy as he's preparing for his first solo interview meeting with Siona since her childhood. Wow. Now the meeting is taking place in a tower in his desert surreal. And though the meeting is happening at nightfall, he's shown up super fucking early, like <laughs> early morning to basically just have a sand bath. Yeah. He talks about pretending he's not the God Emperor and like literally just relaxing and enjoying the like feeling of rubbing his big old worm body into the sand. Yeah, it's a bit of me time is the sense I got. He's giving himself the day to enjoy himself, which even across 3000 years of days, seems like he's had very few. Yeah. Now, at nightfall, Moneo punctual as always despite his busy wedding planning schedule right delivers siona via ornithopter and then leaves and siona's first meeting with leto since her childhood begins now we are going to this is going to be our takeaway basically oh yeah this meeting is dense and clearly pivotal (laughs) and clearly very very important so we are going to talk about that during our takeaways But in broad strokes, to talk about it now, the interview is to determine if Siona is ready for her test, whatever this test is going to be. And again, recall, survival is not guaranteed. Moneo went through a similar test, but who's to say? Uh, So we don't know what the test is going to be, but we're determining today if she's ready for it. Nevertheless, the topics are kind of meandering. She guides a lot of the conversation by asking Leto questions about himself. And they talk about his godhood, they talk about his transformation, time, ancestral memories, what it means to be Atreides. A lot of it's like her trying to suss out what is the truth. And a lot of her questions are very pointed, which she observes as an Atreides habit, and it shows strength of character. She's very direct yeah, in a way that I imagine almost no one else or very few people in the Empire would dare to be with the god emperor. Yeah, I, I think back on, you know, the first meetings of Duke Leto Atreides meeting Stilgar or meeting Liet Kynes and the sort of directness and no bullshittery that has apparently always been part of this like Atreides quality. Mm-hmm. 
So there is this kind of shocking moment where yeah. Leto outlines kind of a wild possibility. And it seems like a half serious suggestion from him to Siona. Siona asks him, would we bridge that gap? Does Is we like you? Does she want to be like you? Does, is, would, could she do that? And he says, no, she's not an Atreides. It's a direct quote. Quote, she's hmm. not an Atreides. And Siona's like, I'm sorry. Does that mean I could become a god, like a sandworm? Like I could become what you've become? Yeah. I am Atreides. I'm Atreides. Does that, Moneo's Atreides? Does, are, are you serious? Any Atreides can do this? And Leto's like, yeah. If there's enough sand trout. Right. Any Atreides could do what he did. Wow. So the secret sauce that differentiated, perhaps, Leto from Ganema was not a genetic one, was not a, he was a boy, she was a girl. It's just, that was how the, the prescience fell. And that's, you know, we talked about some right. of the things that maybe- and the And the choice to do it, I think we talked about in our Ganema episode, right. that she's horrified by Leto's choice and realizes she would not have had the courage, perhaps, to take that step. And we know Paul himself didn't have the courage to take that step and tried his whole life, or at least his whole emperorship, to avoid it. Leto had the courage to take that step. Yeah. And I think for myself, it's always been that sort of unanswered question of, could other Atreides have done that? And he's giving us confirmation that, yeah, it's it's a genetic thing. It's whatever the Bene Gesserit put together, the cocktail of genes that became House Atreides over 10,000 years of breeding has some X factor that allows them to do this. Although, as he describes, like, yes, you could do it with enough sand trout. There aren't enough, so you can't. But once I'm gone, once I'm dead, maybe you could do it then. It it also sort of reeks of he has already done it. So it seems like a really hard could there. You could do it in the same way that I could become the next LeBron James, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a very hard could in the sense that he's saying, like, the pieces are in place. You are Atreides. You have the cocktail of g- correct genes and abilities to be able to put this off. But it certainly takes much more than just like, oh, I'm Atreides. Let me ingest some spice and then uh, lay in some sand trout and I will become this. As we know, it was a horrific and near-death experience for Leto to pull it off. So I, I think, like, while the answer is yes, and Atreides could redo what Leto has done, I think the word could is pretty operative there. That uh, many of us could become star athletes or movie actors, but it, it certainly takes years of training and the correct circumstances and quite a bit of luck to really pull that off. Although, exciting to announce Abu's next venture, becoming the next LeBron James. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, it's going to take some time, but... Ball is life! (laughs) We're going to start a new (laughs) Patreon for (laughs) patreon.com slash Abu James LeBron Zafar. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I could become the next LeBron James, so let's make it happen, y'all. So let's make it happen. (laughs) Uh, Now, to wrap up, this chapter kind of broad strokes 
it is worth noting that Siona throughout is like petulant and really fucking annoying. Like I found myself multiple times going, God, she is the worst. <laughs> she yep. is so unpleasant. And throughout the interview as well, we are continuing to get these observations from Leto evaluating Siona. Is she ready? You know, do I need to, what else do I need to do? Do I need to create new vulnerabilities? Do I need to exploit anything that I'm detecting from her? Who is this person? Even what has time done to her? And in the final moments, he basically tells her, you know what? She is ready. She is ready to be tested. And the next time they meet, this mysterious test will commence. And what she's really made of will be discerned. Yeah. A foreboding note to end the chapter on. Yeah. Next next time we talk, (laughs) we're we're testing your metal. This is it. It's going to happen. Yeah. You could die. So (laughs) enjoy some amount of time between now and then. Uh, Yeah. He's like, I'm getting married soon, as soon as possible. Will you live to see it? Who's to say? Who's to say? (laughs) Anyway, very interesting chapter, uh, and we will very much talk about it in our takeaways. That's right. But before we get into it, let's take a short break. But trust us, folks, you're not going to want to miss this conversation. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see you in a minute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed your break. Hope you rolled around in the sand. Hope you feasted wiggle, like wiggle, you wiggle, can't wiggle, at wiggle, home. Wiggle, 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 wiggle. As the, that one song goes. The <laughs> Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. (laughs) Jason Derulo. Jason Derulo. I'm glad. I'm always like, who's the artist of this song? And then right at the top, he says, that's great. Uh, Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's let's talk about our takeaways. And our first and only takeaway today is big. (laughs) Yeah. Leto and Siona. Mm -hmm. Their conversation. Now, their interview is dense. And we decided it would be best to break down kind of where the conversation starts, how it sort of evolves, and throughout, what is Leto looking for? And what are the kind of key moments that give him insight into that quality? Absolutely. I mean, a conversation with the God Emperor is never just a conversation with the God Emperor. There's always subtext, and there's always a game of 40 chess happening, and that's certainly taking place here as well. Totally. So looking at the first moments of their meeting, Leto is already playing his sort of discernment game. He's already playing guess who, trying to figure out 
which of the little avatars is Sila. <laughs> and he's maneuvering her in pretty much every way possible, emotionally, trying to kind of get her into this place. Like we learn that he chose this environment, the the little citadel in the Sarir, and this time very, very intentionally. Now, partially it is the time was chosen so that there would be some degree of darkness because he knows she is just so distracted by the monstrosity of his body. She's not going to be receptive or engaging in conversation and this kind of given give and take while distracted by that. So in the darkness, she says, I can almost forget that you are a giant sandworm. And yeah. he's like, that's why we're having this meeting at night. <laughs> like that's, that's why. Right. And think back to his first meeting with the new Duncan Cola. Very similar vibe. Started in darkness. Totally. Yeah. E- ease the person in and then reveal, turn on the lights and reveal yourself. Yeah. But there's also this great moment where she asks, yo, why are we at this weird ass tower? And mm-hmm. in an almost comical moment, he says, <laughs> quote, I'm told it's a cool place. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny to me. I mean, maybe he means it literally because then they talk about the temperature of the and, and maybe it is just a warm planet and this is a nice place to get a bit of fresh air, you know? Yeah. Um, but I also like the idea of he's like, I've been told this tower is fucking rad. What, what else yeah. do you need from me? It's cool. Enjoy. Jesus. Have you seen, have you, have you, did you cross the half pipe in the other room? <laughs> yeah. I've got arcade cabinets, two rooms down. It's great. <laughs> it's super fucking cool. He also reveals here. He can almost feel the cool breeze on his cheeks. Now, of course, the implication is his face cheeks, but I did spend a few minutes thinking about Leto just like putting his big old worm cheeks out and <laughs> off the balcony. Ah, uh, the cool breeze. Their speakers passing by go, what is that on the top of the little little citadel? A sign oh, from God. God. It's the God Emperor's peach. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but also, jokes aside... His mention of these physical, he goes, oh, yeah, I can almost feel the breeze. I can almost. I can't quite, but I can almost feel it. Yeah. This is planting the seed of you will start to understand that I have given up quite a bit to be where I am today. Right. Like you see many of the elements of who I am. I am monstrous. He admits, oh, yeah, I also would probably think that I'm monstrous. But he's starting very soon, really like the first couple of sentences. He's going... Oh, yes, I can almost feel the breeze starting to plant those seeds of curiosity Mm -hmm. and sympathy within Siona. And it clearly sparks her curiosity and her sympathy. Classic Leto. Mere minutes into the conversation. Yeah. Now, once they move out to the balcony with the cool breeze on their cheeks, Leto admits something that we've all noticed. Throughout reading this book, he tells Siona, hey, quote, I like to talk, end quote. Yeah, man, we know. (laughs) She's like, no, what? You really talking? couldn't Mm. tell. (laughs) I thought you were the strong, silent type. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's something we know the God Emperor loves to do, talking. But then he follows this up by revealing that he dreads the day when he won't be able to speak again. 
as the worm transformation continues, it turns out sandworms don't talk. No. And thus, Leto someday won't be able to speak. Perhaps the thing he loves to do the most. And this is, once again, sort of another barb, right? Another sympathy jab at Siona. Hey, don't you feel bad for me on this one? She dodges this and immediately gets to the point. She starts asking her very pointed and very direct questions. Right. And she asks the God Emperor, Hey man, why am I here? Why'd you bring me here? And he tells her honestly that he has brought her here to evaluate how she's grown and what, quote, time has done, end quote. And she reveals some fear. It slips through her cracks. And Leto recognizes, oh, damn it, Moneo's been telling her stuff. You know, Moneo's been priming her. He's been lecturing her. He's been giving her words of warning. Damn it, Moneo, you're making my job that much harder. Yeah. It seems like whatever he's looking for, fear is not part of that recipe. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't yeah. need her to be afraid of me. In mm, fact, mm-hmm. that's, it's kind of an unfortunate, like, fuck. Yeah, Moneo was haphazard with his parenting. Damn it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I almost need her to sort of, in a youthful, blind way, to not be afraid of me and think she can take me down, right. you know, sort of in an arrogant way. But because of some of Moneo's wisdom, she knows what she's facing. Right. Although, as the conversation continues, we do sort of swing back to her being curious and sympathetic. And we realize throughout this conversation that that is going to be key to Leto's plans. That's why he keeps sort of pushing the conversation toward that direction, planting these seeds, taking these little jabs at her defenses. It's to get her to be open about genuinely wondering about the God Emperor in a way that sees him as more than just the enemy I have to kill. Leto thinks to himself, quote, she has some doubts. I still have room to maneuver, end quote. As long as she is asking questions and being inquisitive, he has room to maneuver because he can answer yeah. them directly and honestly, and he can bring out the side of her that almost sees him as maybe not a person, but sees him as more than just this evil entity in her mind that she has to take down, which from my understanding is basically how she sees him. She sees him as a one note evil caricature. Right. Yeah. And Leto is almost trying to get her to see more, getting her to humanize the enemy. I also think that this idea of her doubts, he explains as room to maneuver. And I see that as like having agency, having the ability to enact some change, some he can continue his planning because she has some doubts. I also see the idea of doubt as being opposed diametrically to having like believing you understand and not being adaptive and not being receptive to change, which is another form of stagnation, like cognitive right. stagnation. Exactly. And even in the lap last episode, when we were talking about the mechanical universe, Believing that you understand that the universe is just cause and effect, and that's as simple as it is, 
humanity is not going to be able to understand the nature of reality. If that's the way that they're thinking, having doubts is key. So yes, not only in this micro moment of she has doubts, we can keep this conversation going. I also think it's like, ah, doubting is still part of her core instinct. And that's going to be important for all of humanity. Great point. Is to Great point. not just come to conclusions and stick to them no matter what. Right. Being sure of yourself and thinking you know all the answers is the first step towards stagnation and death. And Leto needs to make sure that Siona still has the capacity to doubt and change her mind and be inquisitive and be open to new thoughts and possibilities. That's key to the future. Yeah. Now, he does, again, call her out on this. He's like, you're curious about me. She's like, no. (laughs) He's like, no, no, you are. You were curious when you looked at me as a kid. I saw that curiosity and I see that same curiosity now. Yeah. And she's like, all right, fine. Yes, I am. (laughs) Do you eat food? (laughs) And he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then I ran. You ran? What? She's like 20 questions mode activated. And then a lot of the conversation is her trying to confirm. And again, suss out. Where does the oral history lie? Where does the official history lie? And then where is truth? amongst all of these data points correct and leto admits that yeah he kind of can eat food but he doesn't he tried to eat food when he first began his transformation i imagine this is three thousand years ago around the time that we see him at the end of children of dune but that his body mostly rejected the food and now he really only eats occasionally but he says It's bothersome. He doesn't really like to eat, but that he also does feel the stomach hunger for the last thousands of years. Oh my goodness. Now, this prompted me to look back at Children of Dune. Ganema talks about Leto running on the dunes, right? And I pulled this quote from Children of Dune. Quote, he runs to tire himself. He runs and runs. And when he has exhausted himself at last, he returns and rests his head in my lap. Ask our mother within to find a way for me to die, he pleads. Oh, wow. And I think we called out that moment when we read Children of Dune, but it's like really a shocking moment. Her brother, this immortal being, is like, please find a way for me to die. I'm immune to poison. I'm immune to all of these conventional methods. Please find a way for me to die. Right. And obviously we had sympathy for him at the time. But now we also know, in addition to everything else, he was in like agony with stomach hunger, with the feeling of I need to eat, but my body rejects food. Yeah. Oh, my God. And you think about that kind of like torture of a normal person would have died weeks ago from this sensation and your your human body is going through this process and you're feeling it, but there's nothing to be done about it. You can't, you can't do anything about it. It's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Very, very sad. I mean, to put it simply, he has been hangry for 3,000 years. Or the more fun alternative to hangry is angungry. What? I've never heard this. <laughs> so you can be hangry, but you can also angungry. be angungry. <laughs> he's been he's been angungry for 3,000 years. <laughs> Shout out to the TikToker who... Made that joke, and I love it. Yeah, he's been angry for years. It's true. Wow. (laughs) 
Awful. Awful. <laughs> and considering his angrunger, <laughs> uh, Siona is feeling sympathy for him. Mm-hmm. And he notes the, quote, reluctant sympathy, the striving toward an empathetic understanding. She wanted to know. There it is. End quote. Cracks in the armor. There it is. Cracks in the armor. And he's exploiting. He's finding the things that resonate with her, that pique her curiosity. And he's leaning into it. He's saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, you know. I've been angry for longer than you've been born, child. Like, angry. (laughs) <laughs> All that in a word, Lord. All, All that, that and much more. <laughs> now, as their conversation continues, they talk about things like the passage of time, and she continues to ask him questions. And again, they are out on this balcony, and he is keeping the lights of the airy dim. He is purposefully giving her the space to forget about his physical form and to think of him as more than just the grotesque, evil, god-worm enemy. Yeah. And in an aside, we realize from an observation that Leto makes that he is learning about her in real time as well. He does not know everything there is to know about Siona Atreides because he notes that she's struggling to understand if he's being truthful. She's trying to decipher his words and catch him in a lie. Yeah. And he thinks to himself, quote, she's not a truthsayer then, end quote. Yeah. And the way that's worded makes it sound like he's just now realizing this in the moment. And it's not something that (laughs) he's known about her her entire life. Yeah. It really does strike me how little he knows about her. And he mentions that this whole scenario is sort of like being a bullfighter stepping into the ring, you know, yeah. with the bull. Very Atreides imagery there. Yeah, yeah. Tip of the hat to Duke Mentor. Got his fucking shit rocked. <laughs> Our by guy. A bull. Our guy, Minotaurus Atreides. But to that point, he really is, despite any sense of security or despite any sense of he knows what he's doing, he's playing the same old game of chess. He is actively sussing out new qualities of her yeah really cool yeah very cool now he continues to again sort of work his way into the cracks in siona's armor and continues to cultivate her sympathy by revealing something that he's only ever told huinori about his death he tells siona that once he is gone he will be stuck in a semi-conscious dream state as countless pearls of his consciousness scatter across the planet, buried deep within the resurgent worms. Right. And I thought this was notable, because in the same moment that he realizes she is not a truthsayer, we as the reader can also recognize that she doesn't need to be a truthsayer here. Leto is being brutally truthful with Siona. Yeah. In a way that he is never with Moneo or Duncan or Nayla. He's always careful with them. He's never outright dishonest, but he is careful with what information he gives to them at what time and how much of it so that they can comprehend it. The only other person that he's so brutally honest with and tells things that no one knows is literally his bride-to-be, Huinori. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I get the sense no one else knows about the little pearls of his wisdom and this horrible, like, hellish, semi-conscious dream state he'll be stuck in for the rest of eternity. Hui Nori knows that, and now Siona knows that. He is revealing to Siona things that no one else, no human in history except Hui Nori has ever known. And that's that's telling. There's a reason for him to be doing that. And it's presumably because Siona needs to be tested and he needs to be sure about her. And if she is to pass the tests, there are certain things she needs to know. Yeah. And again, I think she's not a truth sayer. So once he recognizes that, it's like, okay, revealing as much as obviously as possible, saying, no, 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 here's here are the facts. I'm not hiding anything. I'm not dodging questions. I'm not, you know, yeah. That's necessary for someone who's not a truth sayer. If she was a truth sayer, he could just be like, you know, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. And then he can just, you know, get like there's something about candor and like yeah. noticeable candor and remarkable candor. Yes. Is beneficial in someone like Siona's position. Completely. My first thought was he probably had a very similar conversation with the rebel Moneo, right? Like rebel Moneo mm. probably had a very similar pre-meeting interview. So then I was wondering, I wonder if Leto told Moneo this stuff, but it's also entirely possible he didn't if Moneo didn't require the same barbs and the same yes. weakenings and the same, if he didn't have the same vulnerabilities in his psyche, then it would not have been necessary to say certain things right. or tell him certain things. Totally, totally. So yeah, you're right. I mean, this could very well be the second time he's ever told anybody that his consciousness is going to be locked Great point. in Great point. these you know pearls. Now, it is kind of funny because this is the moment where he says, by the way, oh yeah, in the darkness, that's why I wanted it to be dark. So you could forget what I am. And she's like, oh shit. Okay, then I want to look at you. Come on, show right. me your wormy right. body. <laughs> so he turns on the light and we hear the Imperial Death March and we hear, you know, those fog machines <laughs> kick up. And, the... and two moments that I found to be very funny happened. And I, I, yeah. I mentioned this earlier, but basically uh, first and Ixian made transparent screen drops to seal off the balcony. Literally yeah. a bug screen. <laughs> because yeah, you're in the middle of the fucking desert and you just turned on like a big old tall lamp and you're going to be swarmed with bugs. Terrible. But I love that the Ixians make a bug screen. Yeah. Seems very low tech. I always think of Ixians as Silicon Valley, iPhones, you know, transponders and mm -hmm, oil cart. Mm -hmm. It's all very high tech. The idea of them being like, get your Ixian made bug screen. Yes. It feels so lowbrow, but it does. Cool. Makes sense. Yeah. You know, you, you got to make some of the cheap, easy to manufacture stuff so that you can invest money into the yeah. pricier high tech stuff. You know, that dick to tell probably costs a fuck ton to make. Yeah. No kidding. And they actually, now that I think about it, they probably made it for planets like. ECAS. I'm sure a bug screen in ECAS is the most important thing. So once true. You set up a yeah. base, right? Yeah. Like keep the talking bugs <laughs> that have <laughs> magic tricks yeah. <laughs> out of the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the killer bugs. Yeah. And then the second thing that happens here is Siona seeing this screen is like, ah, yes, protection against potential mm -hmm. attack. I know what's happening. And <laughs> Leto's like, she's so dumb. Yeah. It is us seeing her. Siona being so set in her ways to expect these sort of like brutal, simple terms to apply. Yeah. 
it's very fun. It's very kind of a, a, a whimsical little moment. Yeah. And and it's telling because, again, we, we see how young, not just in comparison to the 3,000-year worm god, but in comparison to even someone like Moneo, how young and hot-headed and immature Siona can be at some times. Yeah. To just assume she knows what this screen is for, <laughs> you know, to jump to that conclusion. Right. And we see it a couple more times in the conversation as well. The topic of ancestral memories comes up. And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, like, those are just stories, right? That's just like a thing people talk about in the oral history. It's just a fairy tale. And he's like, nope, that's real. That that happens. Ancestral memory is definitely a thing. And the conversation, again, sort of jumps to the next topic, which is worth sort of pausing a bit more on and discussing, because the topic here is love, right. a very dangerous word throughout this book. Yeah. And in particular, it's about love and the love that Leto gave up, the sacrifices that he made in those intimate human moments. And again, Leto's like, oh, here we go. She's opening up. I have a opportunity here to jab. And so he does. Yeah. And we get this little exchange back and forth. Quote, you think the most terrible thing I gave up was sex? No, the greatest loss was something far different. What? She asked reluctantly, betraying how deeply he touched her, end quote. Yeah. So in a very like young person in their 20s way, she's like, oh, wow, damn, you can't fuck, bro. <laughs> you gave that up. Damn, cuz that's fucking wild, bro. You can't fuck. Can't get it in. Oh, oh. damn. Oh. 3,500 years of no boning? <sighs> Fuck, dude. That's that's the ultimate sacrifice, bro. Oh, could never. That's, whole, <laughs> that's worse than death, bro. Wow, I'm, I'm so sympathetic towards you now, man. I'm so curious and sympathetic, bro. <laughs> and obviously we know the reality is, is that, yeah, I mean, like, that's part of it. He has given up the touch part of intimacy. Uh, no genitals, remember. It's quick to remind us, yeah. But here he really drives home that the thing he has really given up and that really tears him up is the isolation. Yeah. Isolation from intimacy, isolation from humanity in general. He is so alien and foreign to them now that he cannot even walk among other humans and feel like he belongs. Right. Yeah. And this is a terrible price that he has paid. He has made this choice. And while he's explaining this, it does sort of dawn on Siona how terrible that is. That even beyond the, like, getting it in, bro, <laughs> what he is giving up is emotional intimacy. It is social intimacy, the feeling of I belong in a group somewhere or that I have a circle. He has none of the normal things that make very social humans survive and thrive throughout history. Right. And she, again, is deeply touched by this. She is literally shuddering uncontrollably listening to him explain the sacrifices in love that he has given up. It's horrifying to her. Yeah. And again, why do all of this? His quote-unquote damned golden path is the answer. And Leto notes that she may one day come to understand this, even if she does not see the whole picture now. Right. Much in the same way that Moneo has, right? Moneo, once a rebel, 
probably had a very similar conversation here on the Little Citadel with Leto at some point, and then he too became a believer. And Leto says she may as well, if she keeps that open and curious and sympathetic mind. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, the idea that she may come to understand the golden path. Because although Moneo certainly has, Leto hasn't given up on the conversation yet, and she might fail the test. But I also kind of got from this passage that it it is not super important for her to maybe fully understand the golden path. Mm. I don't know that that's exactly what he means, but it did kind of feel that way. Like she can serve the purpose that she needs to serve, whether or not she fully gets the golden path, because yeah. maybe that's just not part of it. Maybe it's just not yeah. that important. Yeah, um, maybe. But it's also possible he just meant, oh, you might die. <laughs> uh, you might come <laughs> to understand it one day if you don't uh-huh. die tomorrow. What? No, I didn't say what. Yeah, you might one day. <laughs> Did you get my That's wedding invitation? Did you RSVP? Yeah, you coming to the wedding? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you can say you are. You might not be though, because you might die tomorrow. Yeah. What? Yep. What was that? What? <laughs> <laughs> you should RSVP. What? Maybe I recommend. <laughs> yeah, you said you are coming. You might want to change that to maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now talking about all these different things. Siona brings the conversation back to Huinari and Leto makes it clear. He's like, no, Hui was designed to trap me. Like she is guaranteed yeah. to trap me. She's a, she's a trap for gods. Yep. And like, let's not beat around the bush. You stole my journals. You know, you know, all of this stuff. I'm not like telling you brand new stuff. Yeah. And most of what he's revealing to her then is not necessarily new, but hearing it from him directly is clearly affecting her and in this heartbreaking moment Mm. this like Mm. this shifts most of the book almost every chapter we see leto talk about something we are now seeing underneath the hood a little bit yeah he loves his human companions like moneo uh siona's mother the fish speaker duncan his human companions leto loves them quote You cannot imagine how many times I have loved a companion and seen that companion slip away as your father is slipping away now. Sometimes they go quickly, sometimes with agonizing slowness. Each time I am racked. I can play callous and I can make the necessary decisions, even decisions which kill, but I cannot escape the suffering. For a long, long time, those journals you stole, tell it truly. That was the only emotion I knew. End quote. <laughs> suffering. The suffering of losing people you love was the only emotion he knew for a long, long time. Terrifying. I also like, sometimes they go quickly. She's like, what causes how, how, how them to quickly? go quickly? He's like, me <laughs> crushing them. <laughs> uh, me slamming them into a wall you know sometimes you know sometimes two of them were tossed off this tower but yes it's really a heartbreaking moment because again he can play callous and throughout this book we've seen how callous he can be we've seen how calculating and manipulative he can be but we also know that he is sometimes deeply affected by like the deaths of the duncans right this is confirmation that it goes farther than that yeah it's every companion he feels their loss and it 
destroys him. It devastates him emotionally. Yeah. And in spite of Siona's resolution, her desire to hate this creature in front of her and probably mirroring some of our listeners and some of our, the readers of this book. Yeah. Her eyes grow moist. Same. Yeah. Yeah. It's like genuinely a (laughs) super upsetting moment. Yeah. And she stays strong with her desire for rebellion in this moment. She's like, I'm still resolute, but her eyes are moist and she is feeling a lot of the sympathy that I think he is attempting to kind of give to her, you know? Right. Definitely. It's a really touching moment. Like I had to pause a moment after reading that and be like, oh, wow, that really puts it in words. (laughs) You know, that puts it in words that I can understand. Leto has spent 3,000 years watching people he genuinely loves just die over and over and over and over and over. Now, after that really heartbreaking moment, the conversation again continues to jump around over the next few beats, and Siona manages to genuinely piss off Leto. Yeah. After they discuss the power of Siona's ignorant violence, right? which is, as Leto implies, potentially a real threat to him. Or, because she's like, oh, so you're vulnerable to my violence? And he's like, don't be fucking stupid. <laughs> like, it's right. the people I love and care about who are vulnerable. Right. Get on my level. You know, like, right. stop misunderstanding. Right. Love is my Achilles heel. And by harming the people I love, you are getting dangerously close to my Achilles heel. Right. And he is kind of very direct with her in his rage in this moment. He's like, stop playing these fucking word games. Okay. And she starts gloating. She's like, oh, wait a second. So I am dangerous to you. All right. All right. Tell me more about this. And the whole universe is going to know. I'm going to tell everyone. Just you wait. And this is like a huge ache for Leto. He's like super turned off by this. And he's just like, nope, nope. I don't want to be seeing this in potentially the key I need to unlock the future of humanity. And his anger is very difficult for him to suppress in this moment. He needs to like take a breath. He takes a beat to center himself. He responds after quite a long pause. Right. And when he does finally speak again, he chooses to just cut through the bullshit. He has seen enough of the cracks in her armor. Yeah. And it's time to exploit them. And thus, he launches into a bit of a mini TED talk on the nature of his isolation and why it gives him the right to rule. Because at this point in the conversation, Siona is straight up just questioning who the fuck put him in charge. Right. Leto says, quote, I rule by the right of loneliness, Siona. My loneliness is part freedom and part slavery. It says I cannot be bought by any human group. My slavery to you says I will serve all of you to the best of my lordly abilities. There has never before been a government exactly like mine, not in all of our history. I am responsible only to myself, exacting payment in full for what I have sacrificed. End quote. Bold. I mean, we could do a whole fucking episode on that TED Talk right there (laughs) and the political philosophical statement he's making. Yeah. Claiming that he is the only ruler in human history who is not beholden to any other powers and cannot be influenced by any other powers and that he himself is governing and that makes him unique in the sense that he can now give 
all of himself in service to humanity without any outside forces influencing him in any way. Yeah. I, I, I was having a conversation the other day with someone about like some of my pessimism and frustration around the United States and how much of it is our lawmakers are all very beholden to private companies and interests through lobbying exactly. and through the ability to exercise voting power through just buying votes and how dangerous that is on a bureaucratic standpoint. You know, there was an earlier chapter opening where he says autocrats, there's like a benefit to having a king because you can make decisions very quickly and you can like right. do things very effectively and right. agilely. And these sorts of like big aristocratic mechanisms that take so much energy to move even just one inch is it's dangerous. And yeah, exactly. God. Uh, yeah. You imagine someone who is not beholden to anything else other than themselves and their goal. And if they have the right amount of information and they have the right goals in mind and the right kind yep. of values and the right, you know, it's like, yeah, I guess so. You're it. <laughs> you're right. You're the thing. And there's a bit of pride here as well throughout this statement, I think. Totally. Yeah. It's clear that Leto, despite the things he says, you know, my damned religion, my damned this, oh, I'm torn apart by this hypocrisy of it all. Yeah. He does give a lot of TED Talks where he is being very critical of even his own rule, because again, he is teaching by the worst example. <laughs> but there is the sense that. Maybe he is a little proud of what he has also pulled off because it is truly unprecedented in human history and only he is capable of doing it because of the unique position. His Atreides lineage, his Kwisatz Haderach abilities, his ancestral memories, his extended lifespan, that's a cocktail no human in history has ever had. Right. And thus he has the right to rule because he is the only one that can save us all from ultimate extinction. Yeah. Very well said. Now, wrapping up this <sighs> TED talk of, of a takeaway, <laughs> confronted as she is, confronted as Siona is with everything Leto said, she's exhausted and indecisive. And apparently that's kind of what he's been aiming for this whole time. This sort of mental headspace that he's been targeting. Quote, he saw the indecision in her. She did not trust her instincts, her untrained abilities at prediction. She might leap occasionally, as she had done when she took his journals, but the motivation for the leap was lost in the revelation which followed. End quote. Yep. I get the sense that Leto needs her to be able to more confidently trust her instincts and act as she did when she stole the journals. Right. And perhaps once she understands the golden path she can be that agent within the golden path to solidify it into a certainty the way he needs yeah. it to be yeah she has moments of brilliance but she still doesn't trust her instincts so anyway it does seem like that is the key and this is the moment that exactly proceeds okay you're ready we're good to go mm -hmm. let's get out of here right she hasn't maybe aced the test today. Right. We definitely saw some of her arrogance, some of her gloating, but she has certainly passed, and it's time for her to be tested. Yeah. And I think we saw throughout this conversation, as we've said a couple of times, her curiosity, her open-mindedness, 
her sympathy for someone she literally wants to kill and take down are key to helping her potentially pass the upcoming test. And these are the things that Leita was both testing her for, but also cultivating within her, kind of working his way through the chinks in her armor. And he's seen enough there that maybe she's the one. Perhaps she'll pass, and perhaps she can be the harbinger of humanity's future, or at least be the correct puzzle piece in Leto's grander plan. We'll have to uh, keep reading and find out, I guess. (laughs) Well, with our takeaway out of the way, we're going to take a final quick break. But don't go anywhere, because when we're back, we've got a couple of spice morsels for you. Yum, yum, yum. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, folks. Let's do it. Let's round out today's episode by doing the very thing that Leto has been unable to for 3,000 years. Mm. Chomp down on some spice morsels. And first up, what the heck does Leto look like? (laughs) (laughs) Our first morsel today fixates on just a throwaway little sentence. And part of this is because we realize we've been wondering what Leto 2 looks like for a minute. Yeah. And if you've been wondering the same, you're not alone. It's it's one of those kind of big debates. If you Google it, there's lots of Reddit threads where people talk about it. And since the book came out back in the 80s, there's kind of been a struggle to put a face and a body to this description that Frank gives us. Yeah. Even the covers of the earliest editions, which were in theory approved by Frank or his agent or someone who knows, seem to be literally metaphorical because they completely ignore some of the in-book descriptions. Yeah. And actually recently we even had a little conversation, which is going to be one of the kind of bonus clips on TikTok and on the Patreon site about what Leto looks like. Mm -hmm. We were wondering, is he old and wrinkly? Is he a young man? Like, what does his face look like? We have at times forgotten that he has human hands. We know he has flippers. One of those got (laughs) shot by a laser gun. But today's reading gives us a rare insight in just a short moment that we can kind of use to piece together something. Yes. So Siona, looking at Leto, says, quote, you're so old. Why aren't you wrinkled? End quote. And some of our suspicions are confirmed. No wrinkles. Wow. Skincare routine out of control. Yeah. 3,500 years old. Amazing. Not a single wrinkle. I can't even claim that I'm 33. So pretty good. Pretty good. Now, if you Google God Emperor Leto II Atreides, you will see that an unwrinkled face appears in shockingly few pictures most people picture him as being sort of a wizened wrinkly faced critter right so already (laughs) this one little sentence rules out quite a bit of fan art totally in response leto admits quote nothing about the human part of me ages in a normal way end quote Mm, that's telling interesting yeah now personally i think that this confirms my tinfoil hat headcanon that Leto's human aging process was slowed by the introduction of the sand trout, the telomeres or the telomerase in the sand trout. 
because those sand trout are literally juvenile, like baby sandworms, and they mm-hmm. are probably mm-hmm. their genetics and their cells, their biology is probably primed for explosive growth and for growing very, very, very large and fast. So and this is just about telomerase, quote, is highly active in stem cells and some rapidly dividing cells, end yeah. quote. So, hey, yeah. rapidly dividing cells, I think, would have to be a part of the sand trout biological makeup. I think it's a good theory. But anyway, that's my tinfoil hat theory. <laughs> uh, I got my degree in art. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Point is, whatever the case, Leto gives us this explanation in the first pages of the book. Going back a little bit, what do we know about what he looks like? Well, we get this early in the book. Quote, my body is about seven meters long and somewhat more than two meters in diameter, ribbed for most of its length, with my Atreides face positioned man height at one end, the arms and hands still quite recognizable as human, just below. My legs and feet? Well, they are mostly atrophied, just flippers, really, and they have wandered back along my body. End quote. Okay, that's an image. It's what I'm going to tell my physical trainer I want to look like. <laughs> seven meters long. Make me look like Two this. meters in diameter. I want my legs to atrophy. He's like, <laughs> skip every leg day. Done. <laughs> and then from Duncan observing Leto, we get, quote, the face remained disconcertingly Atreides, lean features with eyes of total blue, which the nervous felt as a physical intrusion. It lurked deep within a gray cowl of sand trout skin, which... Idaho knew, could roll forward protectively in a flickering reflex, a face blink rather than an eye blink. The skin was pink within its gray frame. It was difficult avoiding the thought that Leto's face was an obscenity, a lost bit of humanity trapped in something alien, end quote. Mm. So to summarize this terrible collection of facts, we have a an unwrinkled, pink-skinned, Atreides looking face, lean. Right. Among a gray cowl of sandworm skin. Yeah. And earlier in the book, we get that his hands are silvery skinned when he hands the uh, Chris knife in the ceremony to, I think, Nayla. So we know that his hands and arms are not part of his like pink skinned body, which I've also seen a lot of. Like I've seen a lot of like centaur like things where it's like his shoulders and head are like coming out of a worm right no so his arms are somewhere on the body (laughs) right on the big round worm body on the big round worm body so to those of you who are perhaps talented artists Uh uh-huh good luck (laughs) you have the description of the character there you go have fun make it happen have fun making that look not terrible i saw one of the reddit (laughs) threads was is there any way to make leto 2 look cool (laughs) and it was like a few people said i like this one i think this one's cool and they linked ones that don't fit these descriptions so i don't know the answer might be no the answer might be no what a fun morsel our second morsel today is a bite-sized one but very interesting because we got to talk about the not so little citadel where the meeting took place between leto and siona We get a couple of striking details about this building on the day that Leto takes off and gets a nice, well-deserved day to himself rolling around in the sand. Right. For starters, 
We're told that it's located in the center of the Surreir and looks out on, quote, views of old and new and places between, end quote. So it seems to be very centrally placed from the top. You could probably look out and see the lush green forest, but also look back and see the desert of the Surreir and Leto Citadel in either direction. Right. The question is, how does somebody get all the way out to this part of the Surreir? And the answer is, not by fucking road, you don't, because there is no road. <laughs> yeah. The only way for human visitors to arrive at the little citadel is by ornithopter, as Siona does. Right. And for Leto himself, he has built a secret tunnel that he actually built thousands of years ago, and that's how he secretly appears at the little citadel. No one else but him knows about this one. Now, it's also worth noting just how enormous this quote-unquote little citadel is. Consider this quote. From a distance, the 3,000 meters of the tower could be seen as an impossible needle stabbing the sky. Only the inspired blend of Leto's commands and Ixian imagination made the structure conceivable. End quote. Mm. That's terrifying. <laughs> That's terrifying. 3,000 meters of tower. Yeah. And to put that number into context... I did a little bit of research, and it turns out the three tallest buildings in the world today yeah. are the Burj Khalifa, standing at a measly 829 meters, yeah. the Merdeka 118 at 679 meters, and Shanghai Tower at 632 meters. Yeah. So, a little bit of basic arithmetic later. I've come to the conclusion that Leto's Little Citadel is still taller than all three of the tallest buildings in the world today stacked on top of each other. That is astounding, and it really puts in perspective the scale at which Leto is working. And it also makes me wonder that if this is the Little Citadel, <laughs> how yeah. fucking big is the actual Citadel Citadel? What is the medium citadel? Yeah. And then what is the super size me citadel? Makes you wonder. Yeah. And can I get that citadel with like a Diet Coke and side of fries? <laughs> yeah. Part of me thinks that maybe the little is just the diameter because this is described as like a needle in the sky. So it's not this like massive. It's yeah. tall. And if right. you Google like even the Burj Khalifa, that's already an offensively tall building. Certainly. The idea of three of those not even being the same is fucking crazy yeah so maybe the proper citadel is not little because it's wide like <laughs> because it's yeah. like a sprawling yeah yeah yeah. so i don't know maybe or it's just taller <laughs> welcome true. to my citadel it's one yeah. room eight thousand meters <laughs> and look we know the scale of dune is massive right look at the denny villeneuve movie the scale is very apparent they've done an amazing job capturing it there and also consider Paul's keep from back in Dune Messiah. Yeah. And how it was full of just endless halls and labyrinthine corridors, but also so huge that rumor has it you could fit like an entire city inside of it. Right. So the scale of the Atreides architecture is truly mind boggling, the way it's described in many of the books. And Leto too, continuing that tradition here with the little citadel. Indeed. And that's our episode. There we are. We did it. That's it, folks. Oh, 
big conversation today. We Learned did it. a lot. Ho- hopefully you passed the test. Hopefully you passed the test. And when we next see each other, listener, we're going to find out what you're really made of. Mm. Indeed, indeed. And also we'll tell you how Abu's training to become the next LeBron James is going. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it'll be progressing quickly, I hope. Now, speaking of when we next see each other, yeah. for the next book club episode, make sure you've read chapters 35 and 36. Or if you have a different copy of the book, make sure to read through the chapter that ends on the sentence, quote, I will test Siona tomorrow. End quote. Oh my God. It's here. It's here. Well, it's almost here. It'll be episode after that. It's here. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we let you go, dear listener, and I know you're eager to read those chapters, but before we let you go, we want to remind you of some ways to support the show, which begins with the best way to support us. That's right. Consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash gomjabar. You get ad-free episodes. You get access to our exclusive Dune Discord server where we chat about Dune all day long. And, Mm -hmm. of course, you get extra blooper clips and early access to episodes and things like that. So if that sounds good to you, if that sounds interesting to you, or if you just love what we do and you want to support us a little bit, makes a huge difference. Patreon.com slash Gamjabar is a great way to support the show. That's right. And another great way to support the show is to get yourself some Dune themed merch from our merch store, gomjabarshop.com. We got a little bit of everything for everyone on there. We've got art, apparel, mugs, a tote bag, a pint glass, and so much more. Go check it out. If you find something nice, treat yourself. gomjabarshop.com. Never too early to shop for the holidays. And finally, we love to hear from you. So email us, gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Put your hands on the keyboard, make some letters happen, right. and then hit send. Put your flippers on the keyboard and smash away, gomjabarpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Use your atrophied legs that have <laughs> wandered down the length of your segmented body to <laughs> flap out a message. <laughs> send it to us that's right <laughs> tell us about what organs you're currently missing tell mm. us about how whether do you have a skull do you still have a skull dear listener yeah. these are the things we we're wondering about you we're wondering and your skin care routine skin care routine how do you avoid wrinkles over three thousand years <laughs> tell us <laughs> tell us Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic. So help spread the word of Muad'Dib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. We're also on TikTok at Gamjabar Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember... Whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the Golden Path.